Welcome to What Do You Believe? You're here because you're curious. I love asking people this question, what do you believe? We all believe in something, and perhaps you're asking yourself this question, and you're here because you are curious, like me. So I just wanted to thank all of you who have been so supportive in the podcast and helping What Do You Believe, sharing it with your families and your friends. I just wanted to show gratitude for your support. It really means so much to me. And I want to thank all of my incredible guests who are constantly inspiring all of the listeners with their knowledge and their grace. But without further ado, I am here today speaking with Greer Tesler and Kara Kaufman. They are co-founders of the VC firm Simple Food Ventures. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today. Thank you, Andrea. We're very excited to be here and have this conversation and we love what you believe. So this is really an honor for us. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's an honor to have you both. So thank you for being here. So I have many questions pertaining to, you know, what you do in the land of adventure. But as you know, I always begin the show with the question, what do you believe? I mean, I believe two things. First off, that everything happens for a reason. And I also believe that it's really important to surrendering to the universe and to the flow of letting things happen. So when you try and force a round peg into a square hole, it doesn't really end up working out. And so you really have to just listen to the signs and trust that it's going to work out because everything is happening for that reason. So have you found in your life, like the synchronicities that you speak of, can you describe what those are? For me, I think even with this business, I mean, Kara and I have been best friends since we were 16 years old. We started a charity fashion show together in high school, so we knew we could work together. And when I look at my career, you know, I was working at a consulting firm for five years, and then I moved over to an agency where I was doing experience design and really in the biz dev space. And I wasn't doing well in that job. And I was about to actually get put on a performance review. And so instead of doing that, I quit. And I was going to go to grad school because I decided I wanted to go into educational therapy and go on a completely different path. And at that time, grad school didn't work out. COVID hit. But with everything not really working out, it kind of led me to exactly where I am today. And Simple Food Ventures was that missing puzzle piece of really what I needed in my career to feel whole and feel like I'm on that right path. I love that answer. Thank you. There's a lot of trust there. It sounds like you just trusted in your path, right? It's like you were sort of saying, okay, this isn't going to work out, but I trusted something else. And then it just happens. And then you kind of follow. It was very, very hard. And Kara, I'll let you talk. I'm sorry. (laughs) Go for it, Greer. I think I actually learned, not business related, but I hurt myself skiing a couple of years ago. I tore my ACL. And the day that I did it, I had lost my ski, the run before it on the mountain. It was like a whiteout and I was in a tree. I was skiing in the back country. I hit a tree while I lost my ski. I hiked out and I was like, oh, whatever. I need new skis anyway. This is the end of my ski day. Ski patrol came. We found my ski and I decided to go on another run. And 20 seconds into that next run, I tore my ACL. So like the universe was giving me this sign to stop and listen. And I didn't. So it physically stopped me. And three weeks after that point, 
everything in my life kind of changed. I started meditating and I started really just like accepting that I can't control the things I can't control, but I have to, you know, have the knowledge to know the difference. And after that point, I actually ended up meeting my fiance three weeks later. So like really everything in my life changed after that injury, because I just finally surrendered and trusted that like, it's going to work out and that things will happen. And you have to listen to the universe because it will force you to. Oh yeah. That I definitely believe for sure. Kara, tell us what you believe. (laughs) You know, I really don't want to sound like a broken record, but completely echo queer sentiments have had a lot of experiences in my life that have been traumatic, devastating, a lot of loss. And what do you do with that? And how do you turn it, not turn it into a positive, but you have, I chose to keep living. So how do you do that? What does that look like? And it's interesting, you know, my mom died when I was 14. I developed a lot of food allergies and intolerances that were probably honestly emotionally related to all of that. And so since I was about 17, 18, I've been like very, very focused on finding, you know, I went gluten-free before it was anything and just learning how to constantly adapt and respond to kind of what the universe is throwing at you. As I shared with you before we started, I'm pregnant. I've had a really challenging pregnancy. It seems like every single doctor's appointment I go to, there's something else that's thrown at me. And I've, you know, was talking about this today. I said, I've decided that I'm just I'm just going to take it with stride. What happens? It's okay. Let's get more information. Let's respond to it accordingly. And it's allowed me to control the uncontrollables, take a step back and take a deep breath and really feel comfortable myself in knowing I've got the tools to handle this and I've got the support around me to handle whatever comes. And I think that that totally just seeps into every other aspect. It's about my partnership with Greer and our business. It's about my partnership with my husband. It's, it's all of those pieces. And so a lot of life lessons about, you know, how do you respond to things and looking at what's in front of you to do so. Thank you for sharing that. I feel for you and I am, you know, it, it, you're, you're absolutely right about having a toolkit of things of whether it's your support system or, you know, whether it is meditation or good friends or a great partner in your business. Everyone needs that, right? I mean, everyone needs yeah. a mentor. Everyone needs a best friend. And Sometimes it's just hard to kind of locate what it is that you need that could make life a little bit, you know, easier to take when things are thrown at you. But but it's resilience, you know. It's it's adaptability yeah. and resilience. I always say is is kind of like the key to life. It's one of the keys to life, right? It's because life is always going to throw you some curveballs. Like we just have to be able to like, you know, handle them. So you're absolutely right. So thank you for sharing that and you know, I'm, 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 I have so much empathy for you. So thank you for sharing. Now, in terms of your partnership, I mean, you have this, you got, you, you know, the two of you are, you know, these incredible women in this VC world, which is, you know, for the most part, a very sort of bro centric, man centric world, right? I mean, I would love to hear on the flip side, knowing that you two are very spiritual people and you're, you're, you know, you're very aware, clearly, and very in tune. How do you balance your careers as venture capitalists and being, you know, in that business with kind of your own ethos? And how do you do that? Because it can be a bit of a, I would imagine, a bit of a challenge. I would say we lead with it. We use it as our superpower. 
I mean, mm-hmm. Greer and I walk into, when we were first starting our business, we would get on the phone with founders, with other investors and VCs, and we'd say, we're not your traditional investors and we're not trying to be. And I think that that grew into our super strength and our authenticity. And we're now sought after for just that. We come to the table exactly who we are. And I think it's really respected just being true to who we are, true to our partnership through and through and every aspect of how we approach our business. It's been a huge leg up for us. I think it also, it, it comes in through the companies that we invest in. Like so much of it is a relationship business. You're betting on these founders and like what they believe and what their values are as well. And like, we invest in companies that have a natural organic ethos because it's so important to do something that's better for the body and better for the environment. And the way that we're helping that mission is through providing access to these products. And, you know, our founders are all on that same mission is they're creating these products that are plant-based or, you know, like cellular based or wellness shots or whatever it is, because it's all in the, in the goal of just creating a healthier world and doing it through food and through, and that's a big part of sustainability too. So that's a big part of what we do. But then also we found that this space is getting so much more creative than it ever was before. You know, there's an entire group of amazing female investors and fund managers out there now that lucky for us, we actually get closely connected to because we are part of that team. You know, like we're also emerging fund managers who are women. And so we're kind of a minority and we all group together. You know, we have two monthly check-in calls with two different groups just to see what's going on, share deal flow, make sure that you're getting people that, you know, have different perspectives on the cap table, because when it was a boys club, you're having the same type of people investing in the same type of people and nothing ever changed. But now with the diversity going on in the space, you're getting new companies out there, founders who weren't given a chance beforehand, and also, you know, investors a chance at the plate that they never had been before. Yeah. And that's something that just to add to that, we pay very close attention to as we're evaluating and going into diligence with with the companies. And it's really, as we were mentioned, who the founders are, but what also sets them apart, why they're different, why they don't fit the mold. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of kind of what we love about what we're doing is that we probably wouldn't invest in somebody that we wouldn't be able to go get a drink with or go get, you know, like, and it's because we are very similar in terms of just like our hearts and our souls. And like, you know, I know it's business, but it's, we live and breathe this thing and we live and breathe the companies we invest in. So we have to make it really important that we're on that same mission together. And women approach business differently. And what I love about where we are in the world and in business is that finally that's not being seen as a detriment, but instead as a leg up and we're rolling with it and we're taking full advantage of that and saying, we're going to scream it from the rooftops. Right. It's great. I love I love that. So when you meet a founder, what's the first thing that you you look for? My I mean my favorite question is their brand story, how it came to be. Like right. I'm the consumer that is going to look at like a brand and understand why the brand is the way it is. And so as an investor, I think that that's really important just to help you stand up against the shelf. You know, it's like you had a moment happen to you in life where you saw that ginger shots really cure different illnesses. So you wanted to create a company just to do that or, you know, and so much of that really drives our investment decisions 
obviously it's a science between, you know, it's, it's a balance between art and science. So the numbers where we have an entire team member who is really numbers focused, and then we're very into believing in the brand story. But yeah, I, I think it's like the impetus for why they're doing what they're doing and how it came to be is always my first question. And I just, I get a feeling, you know, for me, Greer and I always joke about this. She falls in love with the story and I always say, and, everything. <laughs> and I always say, someone's not going to read a story on a, on a no. postcard, like while they're in the supermarket, like it doesn't matter. It matters to an extent. And I think it's really what passion comes out as we're speaking to the people, to the founders. You can see it seeping out of their cores. And that's what I love, like th- that they're living, breathing all of this stuff. And it's that vivaciousness that I'm really drawn to. Yeah. And it's the idea of like, if you can't tell us your brand story and have passion about it, like selling it to us, how are you going to sell it to a retailer? How are you going to sell it to a customer? And so that passion drives everything that we do. Right. Right. You know, there are so many different, I mean, it just seems like entrepreneurship is like at its all time high, right? I mean, everyone, it just feels like it's just, everyone's an entrepreneur, which is amazing. It's great, but not everyone can be an entrepreneur. Yeah, that is for sure. And you know, I mean, definitely seen that we've seen those people that should just not do what they're doing. And it's sort of like, all right, you know, so, so, I mean, that must be a tough conversation too. So when you're, you're looking at a company, it's like, okay, maybe that person has passion. Maybe that person has drive, but what's the thing that's sort of like, okay, this is a deal breaker. They just can't figure like, you know, how does that work when you, when you really believe in someone and you love their product, but you just kind of know, like, they're not going to cut it. I mean, there are founders who came out with a great concept and a great product and they did it in their kitchen and, you know, it really could do well, but they need to hire they need to hire smartly. So they need to hire somebody who's going to be their ops person because ops is one of the more important things to get a business off the ground. And so if there is a founder who doesn't really seem like they could really run a business, but they have the ideas and they have the concept, you know, and they're saying that their plan of action is to find somebody who can run the business, then we're good. Okay. But if they can't see that, then it's really hard. And there's been some ideas that were like, we want to see the shelves. Like we love the product, but there's just no way that it's going to go anywhere because the founder isn't willing to give the reins over to somebody to do it and make it Or just doesn't know that they need to give the reins over. It's And I'd say that, you know, now that we've been doing this for about two years, we've had a huge learning as well into being able to identify all those pieces and how all of those pieces are equally important. Either both being able to say, I'm the idea person and I'm not the one who's going to run the company or no, 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 I can do both. Or, you know, I'm struggling in this part being upfront about it. I think that there's more vulnerability that's coming out in the world as we've seen. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's nothing wrong with saying I'm great at this part and I need help with this. Greer and I do that all day long. We talk about Greer is superior for me at certain things. And there are other things that I'm great at. And she's not, you know, it's that. Yeah. Not everyone can be great at everything, you know, it's just impossible. Yeah. So it's identifying and saying, as long as this founder is saying, listen, I just, I can't do numbers. I can't do it. I can do everything else. I can market. I can da, 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 da. And then you find, or they find, hopefully they're finding because it's their company, the right, right. people to kind of plug and, and get it get it done. 
it's fascinating. So what are your most favorite brands that you have that you that you love that either that are in your stable or just things that are getting you excited because I know a lot of my listeners for sure are are in you know packaged goods and listening and I know that they're going to be very curious what kind of gets you excited I mean I'm going to first draw from our portfolio cuz I feel like we have we should all of our brands are amazing all of our brands all of our brands are amazing I'd say that we've fallen like deeply in love with our portfolio and like our founders but one that I love to talk about because it was just a huge learning for me. So one of our founders, uh, her name is Katie from Bellywelly. She started this low FODMAP IBS bar. She was a matchmaker and she's just like, she's just incredible. And I've told her this story, so I'm going to say it on, on the podcast. But the first time I tried her bar, I was like, this is awful. Like it's inedible. <laughs> I can't eat this. I love her, but I do not get what this product is. And Greer was like, you're wrong. This product is amazing. Her mom loved it. Her family loved it. And I was like, what's wrong with my taste buds? Like, I don't get this. But we fell in love with Katie. And we said, you know what? Katie is what we're taking a bet on. And we're going to see her grow. And that is exactly what she's done. I consume her bars. I can't stop. She's changed the formulation. She's come out with new flavors. And she's just one of those founders that's phenomenal. Like, she's creative. She's a businesswoman. She also knows her weaknesses as well as her strengths. It's been amazing to watch her, you know, since we first invested and first started doing diligence with her. So that's definitely one of my favorite stories. I love, I love what she's doing and how she's grown. I think that's the coolest part is seeing the trajectory that she's been on. And you can get, you can get Belly Belly bars at Thrive Market on Amazon. Plug it, plug it. it. Got to sell. No, it's true. I mean, you're always selling. I mean, no matter where you are in the world, what your job is, you're selling, right? Especially raising a fund too. You're just, you're you're selling yourself, you're selling your brands. It's just constant. For me, it's a hard question. I mean, I really think that each one of our brands is pretty special in different ways. I think one company that I really love just because I love what they're doing, I think it's such a unique take on things is Loopy. So they are two female founders and they started basically a platform for the Lupini Bean, which is- uh, I love a, that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Lupini Bean, as you know, is a regenerative crop. So it actually puts carbon back into the soil. They just launched an initiative to start farming Lupini Beans in the US. So they have two farms that are doing that now, Great. which is before it was all taken from Europe and Australia. So this is a big deal because it's good for you know the environment in the US, but- They've created these protein bars, which, you know, they're, they're whole 30 certified, they're low in sugar and carbs, but high in protein and fiber. They don't have that chewy consistency, like a lot of the vegan protein bars out there do, and they're delicious. And they're taking this and now they're going out with lupini bean pasta. So they've just taken a, an ingredient and they're creating a platform based off of that ingredient. And what I like about that is that it's not just one product. It's about the story. It's about what the future of Lupini Bean can really be in the U.S. and try them really owning that. So, you know, that's one brand that really excites me. And another brand that we're actually looking at right now is at a company called Nomadica. And at the moment, they're a canned wine brand, but their whole goal is to become the millennial and Gen Z brand of wine that you can go to the store and you can find it and you can pick it up and trust it because 
right now it's in cans, it's in tall boy cans and it's 750 milliliters, which is more than an entire bottle of wine. So it's like a bottle and a half of wine for $17.99. The founder is a sommelier. So she actually knows her wine and she's creating a brand that's really focused and kind of, you know, innovating on a pretty archaic space and can wine brands have been out there and they've been doing it, but nothing of quality. So she's really, again, taking a, creating a platform approach to coming out with a brand. So it's not just one skew, it's about the entire brand story. And the cans are so beautiful to look at, like just beautiful, you know? So you like are holding and they're like, yeah. She has like a playlist associated with the different cans. It's like a whole experience. And so it's really about the experience and the platform that these brands can create versus just the product itself. Wow. That's so exciting. I can't wait to try all of these. Yeah. But all of our brands are amazing. So everybody should check out our website. Yes. I mean, you know, the thing is starting a business. I mean, you know, it's, it's always, and always has its challenges, but it's the things that, you know, I think can, can make or break you in the beginning, right? Like as you start, you, you know, a lot of people are like, I'm going to, you know, spend all this money on this crazy website. It's like, no, 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 stop. You don't have to do that. Think mm-hmm. about your expenses. Think because yeah. then it's the investors that come in and look at all of what you've done and say, well, this founder doesn't know what this person she's doing because she spent all this money. You know, it's doing your due diligence and seeing exactly what that founder spends money on is, is kind of, you know, people don't think in the beginning that that's going to actually be seen. And it's, it it is seen and you have to be smart about it. It's like the the WeWork documentary. Did you guys (gasps) watch the WeWork show? I've only seen one episode, but I I will say that (laughs) while we definitely started a business, when Greer and I first started this, it really, it, to go back to something we said before, it started from a place of passion for both of us. Um, this was something that had you know, food and you know attention to ingredients and put, making sure we're putting the best things in our bodies is something that both Greer and I have paid very close attention to for a long time. And so it was this like ingrained knowledge that we just, it was the passion mixed with the knowledge that was just very natural, I think, to both of us. And so we started a business, but it was just so exciting, which, I've never started a business before. I'm not sure if that's how other founders feel, but just taking what came naturally to us that we knew were natural strengths and just building upon that. And it was so cool. And it was so cool to do it together. And Greer and I have this trust between us. You know, as she mentioned, we've known each other for a very long time. And it's just, we don't have to worry about pissing the other one off. We can say things. And so there was just a lot of trust there. So the trust, the passion, the knowledge, it all came together and it was just, it's really cool. I mean, I think it's a very special thing to find a co-founder that you have a relationship like you described. I mean, that's like a dream team scenario. You know, I think having a co-founder is so challenging, right? It can be. Oh, it is. It's, it's a marriage. It falls. It yeah. Make or break, right? The whole, the whole company. And um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you could give me kind of three things that are like, I mean, if you just say, okay, here are the three things that going into a business with someone else, if they don't have those three, or if you both don't have these three things, I mean, I'm going to throw this question out because I don't know. Now I'm really curious what you would say. Uh, like, what do you think the three things you both need to make a good partnership? First is trust. Yeah. Um, I think that trust actually goes 
like across the board and underneath all the other things. So trusting that where I have weaknesses, Greer has strengths and allowing those to, to come through. I think the ability to listen and to really hear the other person is vital. And I don't know, you know, this is how I knew I was meant to marry my husband. I said, we could grow together. We could grow together. We could grow separately. And I think that for Greer and I, like, this is a marriage. We are married to each other. We talk about that constantly. And I would say since we started our business, there have been huge growing pains and growth spurts. And to be able to weather those storms together, have a conversation about them. So I think that was three. That's what I would say. Yeah. I mean, I think trust is incredibly important. Having a similar style of communication, I think is really, really important and being open to criticism and feedback and constructive feedback. Like neither one of you are going to be the perfect founder. You'll make each other better. Like think about it as a true partnership and like lean on the other one. Don't just own it all, you know, like take it and like make sure that it's an equal partnership, you know, you can become resentful if it doesn't act, you know, end up as an equal partnership and that would ruin a business. And that's what Greer and I, you know, to just to expand on that, as you know, we talked about before founders knowing their weak spots or whatnot, it goes into that for us as well. Knowing if I'm doing something where I need help and I need to lean on Greer more so communicating that to her, which sometimes I'm not good at. And she has called me on it and said, if you need this, say it. Right. And so we're, we're, I think we're doing a good job. (laughs) No, that's incredible. What do you think, like, what would you say, you know, your kind of outlook would be for the next five years? I mean, like, what's the kind of plan or can you say, or would you want to give a little, little insight to sort of how you want to? I mean, we've got big aspirations. I, I, we're, (laughs) we're. Yeah, we have to, we're going to be realistic, but we are going to dream big and um, we're raising a fund now. And I see us maybe in five years beginning to to raise on the second and just to continue to build the path that, that we're on like the third or the fourth and five. Fourth, fourth. Okay. Greer's dream bigger than I am. So let's, I'll take it. I think that we're on the precipice. It's kind of felt like that for the last, I think, honestly, since like September that we've kind of been on the precipice of yeah. this big moment where things are starting to fall into place with our fund and different relationships and people really seeing the value that we're bringing to brands, but also just our strategy overall is just a pretty unique one. And I think that as things are really falling into place, like this could be something like we have the potential to really be the, you know, retail focused CPG fund Mm -hmm. where, and there's a lot of great feedback that we've gotten and a lot of positive partnership opportunities that people are seeing that it's, it's really, it's really exciting and it's really a lot of hard work, but you know, it's worth it because I think in the long run, this is, this could be a huge thing. Yeah. So speaking of what the future is and, and, and what you're, you know, carving out for yourselves, what, what are the trends now in, in packaged goods and retail? A lot of plant-based everything. <laughs> but plant-based everything, yes. Everything. I mean, we were looking at a company and I just said to Greer, I don't even want the samples. I just can't try anymore. <laughs> I'm <laughs> done with plants. You can't eat plant-based food right, right. now. <laughs> I, this baby that I'm growing has no interest in plant-based. But um, so yeah. with plant-based everything, I think that the non-alk space is, it was interesting. 
in January of 2021, there was a huge trend of non-ALK stuff. And I think that was primarily because of everything going on with COVID. Everyone was still home. The vaccine hadn't come out. um, And people went, I think, from drinking a lot to trying to moderate how they were drinking. And I think that last summer, everyone's like, all right, bars are open, restaurants are open, like I'm going out. And so that kind of went away a little bit. And there's a resurgence of that happening. So Hmm. more of the non-ALK stuff, I think, for sure. And then there's a few others, but you know, it's really about upcycling and sustainability and what that looks like in using our environment more. So Greer had mentioned regenerative agriculture and farming and localizing everything and ugly fruits and vegetables and using everything together. I think those are some of the big ones. Okay. Also, I think we're a little far along for this, but as plant-based is becoming just oversaturated and people are learning that some plant-based products are not necessarily as good for you or the environment, right? like cellular agriculture and like lab grown milks and meats and products are really I think we're like two years away from this, but if they have the same compounds and characteristics of the product itself, but without the animal, like it's something that I think our future, that is the future of food. Like that is where sustainability, that is where it's going. And it's going to be on the consumer to try it and see that it really doesn't taste any different, but it's also on the brands to market it appropriately and tell the story the right way and have the right strategy behind it. Incredible. Yeah. Wow, very exciting. Nice. And you, you'll see there's a lot of funds really investing into that space now too. Right. So you'll, you'll, I think you'll start to see things popping up. I think it's like what the Beyond Meats and Impossible Burgers were 10 plus years ago is where we're starting with cellular agriculture. And it's the next step of, of plant-based as Greer had mentioned, and it's where we have to go it's taking food tech to the next level. And it's really cool to see a little scary, but very cool. Yeah. Wow. It's fascinating. I have to say, I mean, I'm I'm living right now currently on the Lower East Side and there's so much going on here in terms of food. Um, (laughs) And I mean, you, you know, you can't turn a corner without being inspired by something here. It just feels like, you know, this, this younger generation, I mean, clearly I'm a lot older than, you know, most people that live around here, but but it's incredible to see that there is so much going on. And I feel like it's kind of going back to like when I grew up, like in an Italian-American family, like eating like meatball. Like I feel like, yes, there's plant-based, but I also feel like there's like a throwing back to like just like a really yeah. good Italian, you know what I mean? That's sort of like- yeah. I mean, nostalgia is also- Nostalgia. Yep, biggest yeah. Trend. Right. Everybody is, it's the same thing with like movies and TV shows, everything, everyone's doing everything, but it's with food too. It's like, if you can create a better for you version of the thing that you loved when you were little and people remember that, that's going to shoot off the shelves, you know, like it's, and so it's really, and it's giving kids and the next generation, the opportunity to eat the way that we did, but in a healthier manner. Totally. Right. Right. Wow. So I I have a question. This is going to be my, you know, kind of curious. What would be your advice for your younger self? I always like to kind of phase out and end the conversation with this because I think it's important because a lot of people listen for inspiration and I'm curious what that would be. Patience. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Greer. I... 
which Carrie, you called this, but I, when I was like 26 or 27, I read this book called The Celestine Prophecy. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was a true story. It was not. I was very disappointed to hear it was not. But basically, the whole concept is this guy travels to South America and he finds this book. And this book is just leads him on this journey all over South America, but it's it teaches him different lessons. And the big lesson throughout it is synchronicity. And understanding that like you meet people and you learn something from every single experience. And it's the idea of, you know, you meet people for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. And if I could tell my younger self that it's understanding that yes, breakups are hard or quitting jobs are hard or moving to different places and, and friend breakups, everything, but it all, you can take a lesson from it and everybody teaches you something in a different way, no matter if it's a good experience or a bad experience. Totally agree with that. And yeah, I would just say patience. You're going to get to where you need to be. It might not be on the timeline that you think it's going to be, and it definitely is not going to happen. You know, I used to hate the question, what's your five-year plan? And I like, what does that even mean? Like, what is a five-year plan? Give me a break because, you know, that's just not how things work, but take the time, be patient and just trust the path that you're on all of it, the hard stuff, the mistakes, whatever it may be, you're going to get to where you need to be. Absolutely. And and reinvention is always possible. Absolutely. For sure. You know, you know it's the idea of like falling upward. Like you have to fail to succeed because you learn to, you learn how to succeed by failing. Yep. Exactly. Wow. Oh, this has been an incredible interview. I'm so thrilled. You are two extraordinarily talented, intelligent, amazing women. And I'm so, so happy to have you. And thank you so much. I'm truly grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of What Do You Believe? Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. We very much appreciate your continued support. Thank you.